Hey everyone, it's Elisa Keaton. Uh, so I'm coming, jumping on this podcast, um, kind of with a personal, a personal podcast. So trust me when I say this is not the normal thing going on around here. Um, but if you've been following along for some time, then um, you might find today's podcast kind of interesting. Honestly, I just feel like this is a personal favor if I could ask from you to me, in terms of my wanting to move um, into this next season, this next chapter of my life, and also to stay integrated as a daughter of God and a woman who feels passionate about the mission that we're on to set the captives free, uh, breaking generational chains of physical and spiritual poverty. That's really uh, the call, the battle for which I'm born. So today's podcast just kind of helps me um, to kind of time capsule some things, bring some closure, but also some momentum and movement forward. I'm going to be talking, um, really this, this podcast is just a personal dedication uh, to my, my mom, Yvonne Amador, known by friends as Bonnie. I, I honestly didn't know, I'm just really being present to what each day and moment God has for me in the healing of moving um, forward. So for those of you that don't know, my mom um, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer um, about two and a half years ago. And it was sucky. <laughs> and we've been on that journey for two and a half years and she went home to be with Jesus on October 2nd. Now, this would seem very personal and you would say, Lisa, you know, some people would say, well, leave that, leave that in your personal life and just bring us the gospel. Well, I don't know. I'm just kind of not made that way because things are so integrated. Um, you can't just say, this is my personal life. This is my public life. This is my, no, I think I don't have to share everything. And trust me, I'm not here today to share everything, but I think I'm here today to just um, put down an Ebenezer stone to remember so that we can move forward, so that we can cross over the Jordan. And the, and the reason why it is important to me is because it's, I'm very, very, very aware <laughs> that without my mom's story, there'd be no us, there'd be no you and me right now doing this, there'd be no revving the word, there'd be no revelation wellness, there'd, there would be no battle <laughs> for me. Um, that feels very personal. And so I just want to remind and say to the person listening to these podcasts, if you are a person who has been abandoned, rejected, you have encountered abuse, you have encountered lots of sadness, reasons, countless reasons you could be angry at the world or people. You've tried so many solutions and you fail and you come up short. You feel stuck. You feel frozen sometimes. You feel like uh, you you hear the gospel and your heart rises to meet it, but you can't seem to. I don't know. You feel like it's kind of in pieces and shambles, or maybe just healing and the promises of God seem like they're for other people, but not for you. So if that's you. There's a reason you're here, and honestly, that is the heartbeat behind Revelation Wellness, behind everything we do, it really is that 
Jesus comes to the the marginalized, the broken, the abused, the pushed out, the the woman at the well, the prostitute at his feet, and he turns to them and he sees them and he calls them and he heals them and then he charges them to go forward. And we read that and we think, well, that was then and it doesn't seem to be now, but it is for now. It is right now. And I, I believe this. So my story, I cannot say the story of what I've come from generationally has led me to where we are right now as a ministry of, of Revelation Wellness. And I know we, we are to use fitness as a tool to spread the gospel around the world. And this wasn't just some little business idea I had. Trust me. <laughs> um, this would not be a good business idea. <laughs> it was... It was making sense of all my pain and suffering of my life that I only watched my mom have and my father battle. And it's generational. It's generational. So because we stand for breaking generational change, the physical and spiritual poverty, it's because truly, friends, I am generation one. There's a lot of generation behind me. um, But no real legacy of freedom, no real legacy of people that picked up their mat and walked. A lot of legacy of people who who knew Jesus um, and that's not to say there there are some really Jesus loving people in my family please hear that but nothing I didn't have the precepts I didn't have it wasn't like birthed into it and I was birthed into a lot of sin brokenness um, a desire for good but never the ability to watch it come to to fruition okay so I give that backstory to you because with the passing of my mom it's just been really evident that I'm standing on the prayers of not her I'm standing on the shoulders of not her prayers but the prayers of Jesus in the gospel it says that Jesus prays for the disciples he prays for us in John 10 he he prayed for them as he sent them out and he told them what in John 16 what his hope and desire was for them and I just know that he wants us to have the John 1010 life. And I never saw my mom live the John 1010 life. I saw her want it. Trust me, she wanted it. But I never saw it lived out. So my hope is that my daughter is seeing me not just want it, but live it out. And I know that I'm standing here on the prayers of my mom, on the prayers of my father, that they wanted me not to to suffer the way they've suffered so honestly today I just felt like sharing with you um, a little bit of my mom's story because it's partly my story I think it gives you more insight to me which then just gives you more insight into the um, ministry of Revelation Wellness because this is a family affair everyone this is not a business affair this is a family affair (laughs) so you're being grafted into this new thing that the Lord's doing in the definition of family. Um, so I'm really going to share with you today. Um, I'm going to share with you. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have some fun. I'm going to, I think I'm just sharing with you um, who she was, a little bit of her story. I even have, I think, a sound bite of some um, of her talking. Um, I've recorded her voice at the end a lot, a lot of just, I took in as much as I could with her. And I, I we did not have a great life growing up. I was a rebellious child. I was, I did not find Jesus. Well, 
yeah, I, he found me, but I wasn't really interested in him until I was around 27 years old. Um, so about 20 years ago, um, after just failed attempts of wanting to be wanting my marriage to be this or that, you know, just all the things you want everyone else to try and satisfy you. And so it wasn't until I 20, when I was 27, that I really took the gospel in. So I'm a little late bloomer. Again, I didn't grow up in a home that was doing its best to build on gospel precepts, not religion, but really, you know, the commands of the gospel and mercy, grace, and forgiveness, and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Eh, no. We had a lot of, we, we talked about faith, and we did church, but there was nothing really, it was so disconnected. <laughs> They're trying, but it was disconnected. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of the, the eulogy that my husband read um, at the funeral, which is kind, of, kind of gives you the timeline of my mom's life. And then um, some a little soundtrack of when her and my father met. I think they were sharing a story. I asked them to kind of share that. And honestly, they did not have the romantic love affair. So this is like busted up pieces, everyone. I I feel like this would be a great way then just for me to just kind of move forward and, like I said, mark it for what it is and then let the Lord do the new thing because that's what he's doing. And then I'll also read to you, what I um, what I shared at my mom's funeral, what I what I what was written, and again, if this feels like nepotism or at least is just taking a personal bandstand soapbox, uh, please I ask for your grace and then just fast forward and listen to another teaching. <laughs> but this one is just straight from my heart, so that I honestly can only teach what I know, and this is what I know right now on October 11th, 2018. Okay. So I will share uh, the eulogy that was, this basically is just my mom's timeline. You get a little backstory of who she was. Okay. Oops, hold on. Okay. Let me pray. So Lord, I just pray that this would bless all... (laughs) the great cloud of witnesses that their story is not forgotten and that we stand on their story for all the ones Lord who laid their life down and we just count uh, my mom into this Lord your daughter my mom our friend a wife we just count them all, Lord, and say in honor that we would not forget the price that many, many have paid, that we'd be grateful people, God, that we would know we're never alone, that many have contended to get us to this moment now, that our hearts would be tender to your story, through the story of your people, and that we'd be transformed by love. So, God, I'm just being faithful to what I think you're putting on my heart. So I trust you with the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Yvonne C. Amador was born on June 14, 1946, in Phoenix, Arizona, to Evangeline Cordova. 
She was raised by her grandparents, Carmen Cordova and Luis Cordova, a.k.a. Pamo. It was Pamo, her grandfather, who taught her that everyone has feelings and deserves to be loved, an attribute she put into practice her entire life, especially while babysitting and helping to raise her numerous cousins. Yvonne attended Longview Elementary and North Phoenix High School. In the spring of 1964, her junior year in high school, she attended a rodeo dance at the Armory on 52nd Street in McDowell with her brother Edward as her chaperone. It was at this dance that she met her future husband, Ed Amador. story is I think it was a Thursday after class and Arnold Rojas who I knew from Miami we, we had the not English Florida, class together. Florida, a little city by yeah. <laughs> we had English together so after the English class he says Eddie what are you doing tonight? He says I'm not doing anything. He says, not, hey. not where not where what's Mr. Worldwide's says, from. Hey what are you doing tonight? I said, nothing. He says, well, hey, there's going to be an army dance. Uh, you want to go to the dance? I said, sure. He says, but I've got a date over there, but, you know, you still want to come? He said, sure, why not? No, nothing to do. That's so sure enough, Miami. we go to the armory. Not Florida. Well, next to where your dad works, the armory there, that building. Yeah, so you know that there's a building across. There's a building across from so, where dad works. It's an armory. It's so we there. both go That's in. We both go in, and he, he, he runs off. He's gone. In 1965, she graduated from North High School. After high school, Yvonne went on to receive her cosmetology license and quickly went to work at Avas, her mom's booming beauty salon on 19th Avenue in Osborne. On August 20th, 1966, she and Ed got married. Yvonne gave birth to her first child, Eddie, on September 13th, 1967. Her daughter, Elisa, was born three and a half years later, on April 24, 1971. Raising her two children to be kind to others and good con contributors in the world became her life's purpose. In 1976, she went to work for the Osborne School District as an educational support professional. She purposely chose to work in the school district because it would allow her to be home when her children were home while also being able to contribute financially to her family's needs. Yvonne experienced and overcame many tough circumstances in her life. However, it was during a personally difficult time in 1980 that she heard the hope of the gospel and believed in Jesus as her Lord and Savior of her life. Her faith in God enhanced her strength and ability to love people always. 
On October 25, 1997, Yvonne's prayer that her daughter would marry a good man came true when Elisa's marriage to Simon Keaton. In the summer of 2001, on June 16th, her love for her family grew bigger and stronger than ever before with the arrival of her first favorite and only grandson, Jack. Two and a half years later, on December 28, 2003, her first favorite and only granddaughter, Sophia, was born. Yvonne battled, battled ovarian cancer for two and a half years before succumbing on October 2, 2018. Yvonne leaves behind a legacy of loving kindness and faithfulness. So that's just a little time capsule of who my mom was. Um, there's so much in there. People called her Bonnie. It was I don't know where the name Bonnie come from. I still need to find, figure that out. But the bigger story behind that is that she was raised by her grandparents. Um, her mother was very young when she gave birth to her and was incapable or kind of... I don't can't say unwilling. I don't know the full backstory, but I do know that she did not know her mom at a young age, nor her father. So let's just put that right there <laughs> with the concept that we know that being an orphan is something in our spirit. We battle no matter what, but if your circumstances also support this rejected, not chosen message, you can imagine the mental disadvantage you would be at. Um, my mom was a beautiful woman, you guys. I probably am going to link this maybe to a blog that I write on my own personal blog, but you can see pictures of her, and she's just a beautiful woman. And I am convinced more than ever, knowing and gathering the pieces of my mom's story more and more, especially in the last two and a half years, you guys, our beliefs affect our biology. <laughs> Um, but again, Jesus was her Lord and Savior. I can remember around the age of 11. And it actually, you guys, it was because we grew up in a Catholic church. Um, and hear me, I know a lot of Jesus-loving Catholic people, so I'm grateful for that. But the church that we experienced, we had initially was not that at all. It was a lot of dogma and religion rules. And I had found out my parents actually left the Catholic church kind of the, the religious form and rules um, because I went through all the steps for First Communion, but I was n not given my papers to confirm, my confirmation papers that I went. And I remember doing all the things, this kind of scary things of First Communion, and I didn't get my papers. And for whatever reason, the church would not give us my papers. And honestly, so, so we left the church. My mom was done and she was so hurt. I think, again, so many things of like, you know, I did all the rules. Why are you not affirming me or my daughter? And they just didn't. So in hindsight, I see that I was the reason that we left a specific form of practice of what was faith. And then there were many, many years we didn't really have do faith or do church. But in that void, in that wilderness season, spiritually, is when my parents heard the message of the gospel. And Christianity was kind of like, what? what's the difference? All I knew was that, man, I no longer had to go to confession. I no longer just say my prayers in front of big, scary adult people. 
I could just talk to Jesus anytime, any place, anywhere, and that was a-okay with me. <laughs> so that became kind of the new foundation from what faith looked like in our home. But again, no, no real discipling. Nobody. It was, it was, it was young. There was no other real, uh, real strong Christian community that we knew of. And my parents had their own brokenness going on in their marriage. Um, I've not been shy with you guys of sharing addiction, infidelity, continual um, doing things that we don't want to do that our flesh desires to do was a pattern that I saw over and over growing up. That's why there has to be a hope. There has to be a way to freedom. So I'm going to pivot this and share with you what I wanted to share, you know, with about my mom and speak at it, her funeral. Um, these were probably one of the most painful words I had to have to ever write. The greatest amount of writer's block I've ever had. Cause what do you say as the final words of your mom? And honestly, I look back at this now and I'm like, it still falls short. It still is not like everything I would want to say, but <laughs> I only had so much time. And I wrote from the deepest part of my, who I am and what I wanted people to know about my mom and also the greater purpose for this when, when death doesn't get the final say, what that looks like. So here's what I wrote. To know my mom was to know unceasing kindness, extravagant love, and childlike faith. She loved. She loved hard. She loved far beyond most. She loved until it hurt. She loved and got hurt. I confess, when I was younger, her unyielding love bothered me. Why she loved people who would not love her in return was beyond my understanding. Where most would have stopped loving, my mom kept going. She was a faithful woman. Her love for me was good seed that over time, lots of time, bloomed into a colorful and imperfect garden that God could tend. She gave me and taught me the greatest gift, the gift of faith. My mom would sacrifice all to afford for Eddie and I the opportunities she never had. Like the time I was six and she encouraged me to join the brownies. Then due to a flat tire, she didn't make it to school in time with my suitcase and sleeping bag. The bus left without me. With a fallen face and an urgent hug, my mom arrived at the school office. She felt so bad that I had missed the camp out. She turned to me and said, well, it's your special day. She took me to Christown Mall where I was treated to anything I wanted. I commemorated this day with a Mr. Bill iron-on t-shirt and a brand new pair of red with a white swish Nike waffle bottom shoes. And by the way, I was scared sick about this camping trip. I didn't want to go anyways. So as you can imagine, for me, this was the best day ever. My mom loved extravagantly. She was not stingy with her love. Her parties for a few where she would make enough food for an army was proof of her extravagance. 
Better to have leftovers than not enough. Something Jesus believed in too. She wanted me to be everything she was not and to do everything she never could. A desire of her, her, of her heart that would cause significant tension in our relationship through the years. We loved each other and yet we were very, very different from one another. So she taught me to speak up and stand up for myself or others when something wasn't right. She didn't want me to hurt in the ways she had been hurt. All she ever wanted was to love and to be loved. And yet, love hurts. We are all hurting now because we loved. As the British writer and lay theologian C.S. Lewis so perfectly wrote, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around the hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Mom was not selfish with her love. Mom taught me to be bold. Something she showed me in action the day I returned home from school only to be handed a hammer. Mom told me to start swinging as she pointed her hammer towards the old wood-paneled wall. For some time, she had been asking my dad to take it down. And since dad didn't seem to be getting around to it, mom took matters into her own hands. That wall was coming down on this day on her watch. We had such a great time swinging our iron clubs and making a mess. I'm pretty sure the message was received loud and clear when dad came home to a half-standing, Swiss cheese-looking, wood panel wall with a view into the hallway. Mom loved big, and sometimes big love makes a bold move. She was born fatherless and into lies of rejection, abandonment, and unchosenness. The very thing that tried to destroy my mom and our family has now become the battle for which I was born. Isaiah 54, 11-17 O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in anmony and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate, your gates of carbuncles, and all of your wall of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. From terror it shall not come near you. If anyone stirs up strife, it's not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. The greatest comfort we now have is knowing mom's days of sowing tears and experiencing pain are over. She is with Jesus now, laughing, jumping, leaping, 
and dancing. She is free. And I know she would want everyone in this room not to waste one more minute trying to get their needs met in a world that cannot satisfy or to believe that the love of another is enough to quench your ache. Those are loves that one day will leave and forsake you. But God's love never will. To quote C.S. Lewis again, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. God's love for my mom was out of this world and helped her to face all her fears, especially in her last days. Death spares no dignity. But not one day did he take her eyes off her, nor did she off of him. Mom knew that only God's love, the love of a good, good, and heavenly father could complete the work of love in her. Jesus, fully God and fully man, also rejected by many. The finished work of Jesus dying on a cross for the sins of the world only to resurrect three days later was my mom's constant reminder that love will conquer all her fear. My mom knows eternal life free of all pain and fear. Mom, you shaped my heart. You handed me a hammer and passed on to me a legacy of unrelenting love and foolish kindness. I love you. You are my queen of queens. I miss you something awful. But I know you are with me now in greater ways since your spirit and soul now exist outside of the confines of time and space. I know heaven and you are always near. Together, along with a great cloud of witnesses, we will continue with a hammer in my hand to tear down walls and set the captives free. Come